0: In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed oil and gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart.
1: Today we have on the show Tony Bosick, who is a senior operations technician at the BP Cherry Point Refinery. Uh, in Blaine, Washington. Uh, Tony, thanks for coming on the show today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me,
1: Russell. Well, Tony, uh, tell us about yourself first, and then let's talk about why I'm so excited to have you on the show today.
0: Uh, well, as you mentioned, I'm an operations technician at the BP Refinery located up here in Northwest Washington. Um, I was born and raised here in the area, uh, Whatcom County, and um, kind of never really looked at, at refining or the heavy industry here as a as a path for me. So I actually went to school to be a commercial pilot, certified as a commercial pilot and a flight instructor. And of course, um, you know, when a 17 year old kid picks what he wants to do for the rest of his life, sometimes he, you know, makes a choice that he changes his mind on, I'd say. That was a, that was a
1: big change from a commercial airline pilot and instructor to uh, working in a refinery.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, Yep. Uh, By the time I was done with school, I realized that my, um, you know, my future family, my future family life, was more important to me than um, kind of chasing a, a career as a pilot, which never really was a dream of mine necessarily. Anyway, it was one of those things that sounded interesting and um, uh, and fun. But yeah, so I chose to pick a, a job where I could be at home, be with my family, be with my wife, my kids. Um, I didn't have any wife or kids at that time, but kind of. My values so you, more clear so, by you have, so you have so you have
1: wife and kids now.
0: I do. I have a wife and three children: uh, two boys and one girl. How old are they? Uh, so, uh, my oldest is twelve-year-old boy, and then I have a nine-year-old daughter, and uh, my youngest is a little boy who's about to be seven.
1: Okay, all right. Well, it's um, I have a I have a grandson who's uh, who just turned eight, and uh, it it kind of reminded me. Uh, People, of course, won't know this who are listening to the podcast, but we had a little uh, computer issue uh, and got started a little late on the podcast. My uh, my little grandson's always uh, coming up with these uh, stupid jokes. And uh, one is, uh, why was the computer tired when it got home? Because it had a hard drive. <laughs> so anyway for yeah. for your uh, for any of you out there listening who have kids or grandkids and they have little kids jokes like that there's there's one for you to to, to take with you. Okay, so the reason I wanted you on the program uh you you actually published a paper uh, entitled refinery drives engagement and process safety but uh you're a senior operations technician, you're not an HSE guy, right?
0: Th- that's correct. Yep, I'm a, a boots and hard hat operator. I work shift work. In fact, uh, after we're done here, Russell, I will have a night shift. I'm working tonight.
1: So, so what's a senior operations technician doing? Uh, writing a safety paper?
0: Uh, well, it really the paper is about why I was able to write the paper. Uh, it's kind of circular, but um, I I've worked in roles here at the refinery that are kind of by design in our process safety program that allow frontline technicians, both from our operations team as well as our maintenance uh, team to work directly in process safety and take ownership of process safety within the refinery. So uh, you're able to learn a lot about process safety, but also um, able to control or or have a large impact on the process safety program for your area um, whether that is writing operations procedures or maintenance procedures, all the way down to um, you know being being the go-to expert for the operation of your unit when it comes to um, process hazard analysis and hazoping MOCs.
1: Okay, so um, actually, I I think the I think the podcast that. Uh, probably went out today it was supposed to um i actually um uh, didn't have a guest on the show and so i was uh actually mentioning the fact uh, that i was looking forward to uh having you come on the podcast and we didn't quite get it uh, on on my schedule the way i had planned but i think what you said in your paper uh, you said it a whole lot better than what i tried to say in last week's podcast. Uh, you quoted, in fact, a, uh, one of your uh, references uh, is uh, Process Safety Culture Core Principles Named in Essential Practices for Creating, Strengthening, and Sustaining Process Safety Culture, and that relates to employee participation, empowering individuals, and deferring to their expertise as frontline workers. Uh, that's kind of what I tried to say uh, in, my, in my last podcast, but uh, talk about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, all of us that work in, in the refining or chemical industries in the United States understand that we are governed by OSHA 1910-119, uh, uh, and which requires, you know, that's your process safety requirements. Um, and part of that is employee participation. And so the requirements around employee participation are simply that you have frontline um, hourly employees at the table when you have a process hazard analysis that your process hazard analysis is available to those employees and that you consult them when you uh, are having any changes or updates in your in your process safety program or to the operation itself so uh, that's a pretty simple requirement but it doesn't really drive to the heart of I think the intent which is getting your frontline operators Uh, equally engaged and participating in your process safety program. And so here at Cherry Point, um, you know, decades ago, long before my time in the refinery, uh, a program kind of started out rather organically, which was to um, give, like, as I mentioned before, give ownership of specific process safety elements that were in the, that were within the wheelhouse of your frontline technicians, give the control or give the workload over on those elements to your frontline employees. And so as I you know, kind of described in my article, you take frontline operators who are the experts in operating the process unit. We can all agree on that. Um, you take those operators and you give them an opportunity to work in a special project role where their full-time job is process safety. And it's, it's facilitating the process safety compliance for their operating area. So at Cherry Point, we have seven operating areas that kind of uh, divide up the different units of the plant. Um, some refineries have, have zones, they call them. Um, but so every operating area, all seven, has a PSM specialist and their, their full-time job for about two years is uh, procedure writing and updating and modification, manual, uh, operating manual reviews, uh, updating, modification. Uh, and c- the list goes on. I won't bore your listeners with every line item of, of what that job is. But the, the point is that it's a full-time role that a frontline hourly operator fulfills. And so what that does is it takes the expertise of that operator from the field, the guys that know how to run the plant, and it puts them in a, in a situation where we can make sure that our, all of our PSM elements uh, related to running that plant are in alignment with what we actually do.
1: And and we're always uh, wanting to point out when uh, we use acronyms and stuff, uh, but PSM stands for process safety management. And so these guys, you, they, they act full-time in this role, and during that time, they're not carrying on, I guess, what would be their primary job, which is on shift operations. Is that right?
0: Correct. And, that, and the same goes, you know, I speak from an operator perspective because I am an operator, but I don't want to leave out that our maintenance technicians also uh, work in this program. But, yeah, so you would leave your, uh, leave your shift, leave your shift work, leave your frontline duties as an operator and go full-time into, uh, you know, process safety compliance for your area. The one thing that, that does remain is the, the training requirements of an operator. So your, uh, your review of your operating procedures um, is still part of the job requirement, as well as your high-fidelity simulator training and uh, working a, a couple of shifts um, a quarter as an operator. And that's basically just to keep you fresh, keep you qualified as a process operator during your two years. But other than that, that kind of residual training, the job is full-time process safety. When I first started doing the job, Russell, uh, it, it was just normal to me. That's what Cherry Point does. As I came up as a young operator, I had, um, process safety specialists in my operating area, uh, you know, ahead of me. So it just was normal. Well, I had an opportunity to work with, um, uh, some other refineries in the area, their, their process safety teams. Um, and that's when I came to the realization that a lot of refineries don't, um, engage their frontline workers in the same way. It's not that they don't engage their frontline workers. They just do it differently. Um, and I think that's what makes our refinery here, our process safety culture here very unique and special is that you have, um you know, throughout your maintenance and operations team, people who have served in this 100% process safety focused role. And so you have all of these process safety experts within your frontline, um, your frontline technician, uh, hourly technician group. And so that can, uh, you know, it drives ownership in your process safety. It drives that process safety culture, but it also is a big wealth of knowledge of, how to how to get process safety right? So, um, and so the, the reason oh sorry the reason for the article was actually a follow up to a presentation I gave at the Mary Kay O'Connor Process Safety Symposium, which is based on how unique this kind of model uh, seemed to be. Based you know with other refineries kind of not doing it quite the same, um, I just wanted to share the information outwardly so that other facilities can. Uh, if they're not if they're not engaging um, their frontline workforce to the level they want to, maybe they could take a look at a different uh, a different idea.
1: Okay, so uh, so you ha- you have the the operating area PSM specialists, and then uh, the basic structure. There's a couple of other developmental roles in that. Uh, you got operation process safety specialist and reliability department PSM specialists what's that?
0: Yeah. So the reliability department PSM specialist is just a fancy name for the same program we've been discussing, but that's our maintenance technicians. So our instrument and electrical shop, uh, our general shop, which is, um, you know, welders, pipe fitters, crane operators, um, and then our, uh, machine shop, which is, uh, you know, mill rights or machinists. So we have three maintenance shops with hourly technicians and they have a role in process safety as well. Um, and they have uh, specifically identified people or roles that, um, just like in operations, they do process safety full time. Uh, the operations process safety specialist is an overall position, so it's it's embedded within our process safety team. Whereas the the other two roles the operations PSM specialist, the reliability department PSM specialist, they stay in their team. They stay in their operating area or they stay in their shop. Um, The operations process safety specialist is embedded in the PSM team, and that's with your your process safety engineers, your process safety leadership team, whether it's a a superintendent or process safety manager. Um, That team of process safety experts is usually uh, is usually separate from you know your frontline operations an operator goes and embeds themselves within that team to help provide um, their own experience and guidance to process safety engineers this is how the plant actually runs this is the things that we that we as operators um, do uh, in an emergency response or these are the things that we do to keep the plant operating safely every day uh, as well as some other kind of uh, refinery-wide process safety projects, whether that's uh, refinery-wide policy and procedural updates, um, and and just being kind of a liaison or a champion for process safety site-wide. That's a newer role for us here at Cherry Point. Um, we had always engaged operations within that team, but generally what would happen is uh, what that looked like is that department would promote or hire an operator to fulfill a process safety role and they would change over to a salary position and that process safety role would become their permanent job. Well, this this position um, is you're still an hourly technician. You're still going back to operations after your two-year period. But for that two-year window, um, you get to serve the refinery-wide process safety program um, in a in a kind of uh, direct impact way. Okay,
1: so uh, for people who haven't read the article, and we will uh, post the link to the article uh, in the show notes. But uh, I can hear some people out there, and I'm going to throw you a softball question here because I know you addressed it in the article. But I can, <laughs> I can hear some folks out there saying, "Yeah, that sounds all fine and dandy to me, but uh, if you're going to empower." people like this to fulfill their process safety responsibilities of uh, what makes them competent to carry this out?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. That's probably the biggest question is you think about, um, you know, for your listeners, think about your own operations and maintenance teams in your facility. How many, how many operators do you have that, um, that, Would even be interested in a in a job like this where they're instead of working with their hands they're working primarily at a computer so the 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 way to go about that i think is you you seek out those individuals who have would have an interest in a position like this and then that have the capabilities so they have good uh you know technical reading and writing skills above and first and foremost they need to be an expert at their primary job. They need to be an expert operator or they need to be an expert maintenance technician. Um, But then, you know, have some some technical reading and writing skills, have have demonstrated some critical thinking skills. Um, That's kind of the selection process. Um, And then once you've identified your candidate that you want to use in a role like this, well, they have to be trained. You can't just take an operator from the field and say, welcome to process safety here's your desk here's your computer you know start updating procedures so we have um we have critical writing training we have uh, a policy that governs how we uh, how we write within our our critical documents like procedures like operating manuals so kind of a guidebook for for a person to follow along of, of of how do we conduct this technical writing um there's training about the process safety elements uh, and process safety kind of regulations that that govern us, um, as well as uh, training around the Hazop methodology. This is this is what a Hazop is. Um, this is your role in a Hazop, um, and so that that training is critical to build their knowledge and their confidence to be able to do the job effectively. And so once they know. You know, you take an expert operator who knows how to run his unit very well, uh, and then you make sure that they have the technical writing skills and the framework of how to uh, to write a procedure effectively. Well, now you've combined, in my opinion, uh, really the perfect person to write your procedures. It's a guy that, that's been in the trenches and knows knows how to run the unit, knows what to do in emergency, and knows what operators actually are doing in those situations.
1: And, recog- and, have- and recognizes the hazards.
0: Exactly. And then uh, you, you take that person that can write that down and you get, um, I think you get using procedures as a specific example, you get a really high quality product. Um, you know, I think in the history of process safety, there's been many instances of of incidents where, That deviation from procedure or the normalization of deviation has been a factor. And when you talk about deviation from the procedure, well, if we have this habitual deviation from from the procedure as it's written, that means the procedure is wrong. That means the procedure doesn't reflect on what operators are actually doing. And so when you use operators, in a role like this to write your your you know write their own operating procedures that's not in a vacuum they're working with our engineering team working with our leadership and you know management team to make sure that we're all on the same page of what we should be doing well actually um, you write,
1: actually you list just uh, excuse me for interrupting but just to, to, okay. to key on that couple things you mentioned about the key competencies in your article which is what you're saying right now is they got to have uh, critical thinking skills and a collaborative approach to resolving complex challenges. That's very important.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you for, for pointing that out. And so, well, um, you
1: you were actually saying that I just wanted to, to kind of uh, enforce it uh, and, and mention that you uh, specifically addressed that in the article.
0: And so what we've, what we've found with that and what I, what I truly believe with that is that um, when you have operators again back to specifically procedures uh, when you have operators writing operating procedures for their fellow operators who they you know work worked on shift with and will work on shift with again you get you get a product that is reflective of this is what we need to do this is what we're supposed to do and this is what we actually do in an emergency or in this startup or in this shutdown and so then you can avoid that Habitual deviation from the procedure that that we've seen in in other incidents, because the procedure reflects what you intend to do. Now, it's a dynamic operation, so things can can change while you're uh, executing a procedure. But at least you start from a base of this is what we actually do in practice, um, and that's been vetted, uh, you know, through the team that works collaboratively co- collaboratively together. But you. Um, you solve some of those process safety issues that that we've seen in the past. As long as you pick the right person, they they have a passion around process safety and you train them properly to do the job, then you can really start getting some great results in, in the work that you, they do in your process safety program.
1: Okay, so you say in the article that uh, many studies indicate that employee engagement rests upon a few core qualities and you list three of them. Uh, two of them we've already talked about uh, ownership and the other was uh, professional and personal growth. Uh, but the third one is recognition. Uh, talk about that.
0: Yeah. Um, and so basically, the, I'll kind of step one step back on that question and say that the overall goal here is not only to get high-quality procedures and high-quality operating manuals and maintenance procedures. And that's part of it. The other part of the goal as the title of the article alludes to is really engaging that front line in your process safety program, getting their, getting their buy-in, getting them to take ownership and, 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 you know, walk that process safety walk every single day to do that. You have to get, you have to kind of look at the, you know, psychology, I guess you would say of, of your, of your workers and what, what's going to make them be engaged. What's going to make them feel fulfilled in their job. Um, and among those three elements is that recognition. So, we we want to make sure that we take those up op- we give an opportunity for everyone in your facility to do to have an impact on your process safety program, and then uh, by giving them that opportunity to have an impact, and then recognizing for the impact that they've had, um, even if it's just as simple as you know openly acknowledging the. The input and the benefit this site has seen from uh, from this engagement in process safety that motivates people. That gets people excited to do their job when they feel when they feel valued, when they feel that um, that people appreciate the efforts they put forth. They they are they are motivated to to do more to um, to work harder. And so, when you're talking about engaging a a large group of people into the process safety program, I th- my my essential point there is it needs to go a little bit beyond the process safety is important because it's, it puts your own safety at the forefront as an operator so of course you should care about process safety of course you should work hard at process safety because it's your own safety that you're that you're defending um and, you, and it, your coworkers that's right and yeah your brothers and sisters on your shift the contract workers that you develop relationships with people from your local community that is all very true and I, I believe it firmly, but I think that you need to go a little bit farther to really get, um, that, that true deep engagement where people are passionate about process safety or, or passionate about any, any element of their job. Exactly. Exactly. Well,
1: so, uh, Tony, I, I guess the proof is in the pudding of what's your safety record there at the refinery?
0: Um, you know, we're, I, I guess I would say without having the statistics in front of me, we, um, we're not, we're not perfect from a process safety perspective. Uh, nobody ever is perfect, but we're continually striving to drive that down to zero. Um, we do have, uh, you know, into the safety statistics that I don't necessarily fully, uh, I'm not an expert on the tier one, tier two process safety events. Our numbers are very low, uh, pace setter, um level is my understanding but I think more importantly than the statistics is uh, that that palpable culture of people putting process safety first and believing in process safety and I think one of the, the things that we pride ourselves here at Cherry Point that we hear from actually comes from our contract workforce uh, the, some of our contractors that work in many different facilities uh, speak very highly to us about, the professionalism, the safety, process safety culture they see at Cherry Point. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm I'm bragging on our site, but I will for a minute. They kind of talk about Cherry Point as the the place that they want to work. Um, and if they're if they're being honest with us, I believe that they are. I think that for an operator is a big measure of pride of. Of what our safety record looks like, when people want to come to our facility and work here because because they know um, they'll find a professional environment, when they know that they'll find a safe environment, and that that we do things um, the best way possible that we can to keep everybody safe. Uh, that's that's what speaks to me about our process safety records. When people verbalize that this is the place that they want to work.
1: Well, that's that's a great point, and. Uh... That's a great way to, uh, to end this discussion. Tony, again, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been very informative. Uh, as I said, we will be sure to uh, include in the show notes the link to your paper. Uh, also, Tony, do, do you have a LinkedIn URL where they, somebody can contact you over uh, LinkedIn?
0: I I don't. I'm happy to share my email address. Uh, it's in the it's in the bottom of that article. Okay. Um, All right. Fine. Yeah. So there you go. If anybody goes to the article, they can find my email address at the bottom if they wanted uh, if they wanted to reach out with any questions. Um. And again, thanks, Russell, for having me on. I hope I didn't. Uh, I hope I did. I was clear enough with with kind of the program that we have here at Cherry Point and what we're trying to do. But ultimately, like I had mentioned, um. I want to encourage everybody in our industry just to to take the approach of engaging those frontline workers, inspiring those frontline workers, and, and having a very inclusive environment to get them, get them involved in the process safety program at your site. I think uh, what my experience here at Cherry Point has been is that the – the process safety program can only get better by grabbing the, those frontline workers and, and using their expertise to the best way you can.
1: I I think you said it well, and, and, and you say it well in your article, and as I said... Uh, You said what I tried to say on my last podcast, only I think you did it better. So uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And as always, uh, thanks to everyone out there for listening. Uh, Please tune in again next week for another episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, Like us on LinkedIn and use all of your social networking to tell your friends about us. And we'll see you next
0: time.